If you have your Bibles, would you please turn to Matthew chapter 15. Matthew chapter 15, we're going to be looking at verses 21 through 28 this morning. Matthew chapter 15, as we're kind of taking a hopscotch through the Gospels, as we're in an interim period between the books of the Bible that we're studying verse by verse, chapter by chapter. In Matthew chapter 15, verses 21 through 28, we're going to study a very important and very powerful passage of Scripture. I'd like to lead off with asking you this question, just rhetorically for you to think about. Have you ever wondered, and I know I have, but have you ever wondered how the Lord works in drawing out our faith? Have you ever wondered at what point in time your, you know, where your capabilities end and your faith kicks in? You know, like where's that line where my abilities end and my faith begins? Now, I'm not referring to the fact that we have a general faith in the Lord, okay? Because we all, as Christians, as followers of the Lord, we have a faith in the Lord that by His grace is working every day in our lives. I'm referring to a specific form of faith known as active faith. There are times in our life that God will allow us to get to a point where our faith is forged in the deepest place of despair. It's during those times that the Lord by His Holy Spirit will dig deep inside of us to draw out even the smallest amount of faith that we may have. Often, our faith is buried under our intellect, our resources, our ingenuity, our pride, our situation in life, our good health, our tangible securities or social structure, just to name a few. Faith in Jesus often is layers beneath all of those aforementioned practical things. But those things do have a tendency to get stripped away. And what happens is maybe one of those things gets stripped away and then we fall back on the other resources that we have at our disposal. But what happens when they all get stripped away? What are we left with? When layer by layer of everything that we hold tight to as our security is removed. Well today, in our study, we're going to be looking at an excerpt, as I mentioned, from the Gospel of Matthew chapter 15. I only have two points for you, and point number one is this. Make your request known. Make your request known. Beginning in verse 21 of Matthew 15, and if you're watching online, you can follow along as well. It says, then Jesus went out from there and departed to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And because we're hopping into the middle of this book, let's just have a little contextual background for our study. Tyre and Sidon are communities that were located both on the east coast of the Mediterranean Sea. So that would be on your right over here, the Mediterranean Sea in what is modern day Lebanon. Okay, so these are the cities. Uh, This area is about 50 miles away from a city called Capernaum, which is known as, and I don't know if you knew this or not, maybe you did, Jesus had a base of operations in Capernaum. And so that distance of 50 miles, that traveling distance from Capernaum to Tyre and Sidon is actually the longest recorded distance that we have of Jesus traveling. 50 miles. 
It's the furthest. And this area of Tyre and Sidon was part of the Roman Roman province of Syria, which included all of Palestine. And it's believed, just again as some background to our section today, that one of the main reasons that Jesus traveled such a distance was in the verses leading up to where we're at, he had a major confrontation with the religious leaders. It was a major public confrontation. And he was seeking to find some peace and quiet. In Mark chapter 7, verse 24, it says, From there Jesus arose and went to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And He entered a house and wanted no one to know it, but He could not be hidden. So even 50 miles away, He traveled. And it's not just like us you know, hopping in our car and driving 60 miles to Oceanside or whatever it might be. You know, we, we have to understand that they traveled by foot most of the time. This was a great distance. He wanted to kind of get a little bit of a break and then he found himself here now in Tyre and Sidon. In verse 22 is where we pick up and it says, And behold, a woman of Canaan who was Greek, Syrophoenician, and we know this from Mark 7 verse 26. I just inserted that there in your passage because that's what it says in Mark. This woman came from that region and she cried out to him saying, Have mercy on me. O Lord, Son of David, my daughter is severely demon-possessed. So here is this woman, this mom, this mother, who is desperate for her own little girl who is severely demon-possessed. Now, demon possession is a very serious thing, as you can imagine. And though we do have this kind of thing that takes place in the West, it's surprisingly more common in the East and in African cultures on the continents of Africa and in the Middle East. It's more common. And this may be for one reason or for another, but that's for another time. But with that being said, her daughter was under the control and inhabited by an evil spirit. This condition is, again, you could imagine, is very extreme and beyond human remedy. In some circles, even today, there are churches and individuals that believe that Christians can be possessed. This is absolutely untrue. For when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, He doesn't share you with anything or anyone. Darkness and light cannot dwell together. And so we do not cast out of Christians the demon of anything, a literal entity or a demon of a particular sin. And maybe you've heard somebody, you know, from a church say, we cast out of this, you know, believer the demon of gluttony or the demon of lust or, you know, the demon of bad breath or whatever it might be. See, you as a Christian, we can struggle with sin. And that's because we have a sinful nature that we daily must crucify and say no to and deny the lust of the flesh. But you don't need an exorcism from that. You need to read your Bible. And you need to pray. And you need to ask the Lord for strength. And you need to make one decision that honors the Lord at a time and resisting the devil and He'll flee from you. Nothing needs to be cast out of you. And if you're a Christian here today and you have bad breath, all you need is to just take a mint and you will be okay. Now, have you ever had somebody that you loved be in a really bad place? Maybe it was a mom or a dad, a brother, or a sister, a son, or a daughter. Maybe a husband or a wife that was ill or suffering. And 
it was not within your power to help them. It's an awful place to be. That feeling of hopelessness, I think, is without equal, where you care about someone so deeply, but you are absolutely not able to help them. Your heart breaks over them. You would do anything to help them, but it's beyond your ability to do so. What a terrible thing. Now, I've known personally individuals that were demon-possessed. Over the years in ministry, I have dealt with a handful of people that were at that terrible of a place. And their suffering was indeed great, even as the suffering of this woman's daughter was as well. But suffering vicariously is always great in proportion to the amount of love that one has in their heart. It seems that the more you care about somebody that is hurting, the more you hurt for them. The more that you love someone, the more it hurts you when they're in a bad place. And maybe you can relate to this. Maybe you can understand what this mother was feeling for her daughter that drove her to this place of desperation where she had tried everything and nobody could help her daughter and yet Jesus was there. In verse 22, it says, she cried out to Jesus saying, have mercy on me, O Lord, Son of David. Have mercy on me. I don't know if you realize how serious of a request this was and even the profession that she made inside of that request for this mother publicly professes her faith in Jesus as being the Messiah, the Son of David. This term was only used for one person, the Messiah. O Lord, Son of David. Now, I told you she was a Greek. She was Syrophoenician. She wasn't a Jew. She was a Gentile. Yet she believed that Jesus was the son of David. I don't know about you, but when I read this, I feel like I can feel the desperation in her call to the Lord as she yelled out for help. Maybe you can feel it. Maybe you know exactly what that sounds like because you have cried out the same thing. Lord, have mercy on me. Lord, please help. And surely... Jesus would help her daughter. Surely, Jesus would understand her plight. Surely, He would comprehend her sorrow. But it says in verse 23 that He answered her not a word. And His disciples came and urged Him saying, send her away for she cries out after us. These are the kinds of guys you like having on your ministry team. Right here. Two things to point out here, here though, is number one, Jesus didn't answer her. Not even a word. You might be thinking to yourself, what in the world is going on? This woman is in need of Jesus. She cried out. Lord, I'm desperate. Help me. This is for someone else. Lord, please. Jesus didn't even reply one single word. Have you ever felt like you've had that same response from the Lord when you've prayed? You cry out to God. 
Lord, please, I beg of you, Lord, help me. And all you hear are crickets. I know you wanted to hear that again. That's why I did it. See, what you feel in your heart comes from what goes through your mind. You think to yourself, why? Why, Lord, would You allow this to happen? And then when I call out to You, I don't hear a single thing from You. It may bring you even to tears because you feel as if God doesn't care about you because if He did, why would He allow this to happen? Furthermore, that weren't difficult enough. You prayed and nothing immediately changed. That's a very difficult place to be in. For in that very moment, the Lord begins to... Listen, the Lord begins to scratch the surface of your faith. Right at that point... You've tried conventional wisdom. You've you've applied all the different types of strategies to find the solution. And the layers of your resources are being peeled away like an onion. And if that weren't difficult enough, Jesus not answering her, now the disciples are telling Jesus to send you away. Lord, this woman is driving us insane. Please, get rid of her. I mean, I can just picture the disciples saying, hey, lady, I'm sorry. Jesus is not available right now. Can you please try again later? We actually have some appointments opening up right after the rapture of the church. Whatever it might be. She was bothering the disciples. and Honestly, I don't think it's too far of a stretch of the imagination to... Picture James and John asking Jesus if they should just call fire down from heaven and consume her right now because she was such an annoyance. Sometimes other people and even our own thoughts misrepresent God. From verse 23, and from the page maybe of your life that you're currently on, Jesus not answering at all means He didn't answer no. Jesus didn't say yes, but also from our text, He didn't say no. Why do you think at times that God is thought to be remaining silent when we pray? Lord, I'm just not hearing it and I'm not feeling it. Is He remaining silent? Or are we not hearing the reply we're hoping to hear? You know, sometimes we think that selective hearing only applies to our children when we tell them they need to do something. Oh, sorry, I didn't hear you. But then you can say something that you know they want to do, and I don't care where in the far reaching points of the house they are, they can hear it. 
And sometimes when we pray, if we're not hearing the kind of reply from the Lord that we think we need to hear, we feel that God's not speaking to us. Lord, I know you would never tell me that, so that can't be you. Lord, I know you would never allow me to have this kind of difficulty and have me wait on you, so this has to be, this has to be something else. There is such a thing as selective hearing when it comes to our prayer life. Lord, I'm just going to wait for the answer that I want to receive from you. Sometimes the Lord will say yes. Sometimes the Lord will say no. Sometimes the Lord will say, not right now. Sometimes his response is immediate. Other times, it's not. It's not. But one thing that we see from this woman is that she was very clear in making her request known to the Lord. Make your request known to the Lord. Communicate with the Lord through prayer. Let Him know how you're feeling, what's going on. Make your requests be, be, be known to the Lord. Make them known. Be anxious for nothing, but in all things through prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your heart and your mind through Jesus Christ your Lord make your requests known point number two this morning is drawing out faith from where we get our title of this morning's message which I have entitled drawing out faith in verse 24 Jesus finally answers and says I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. What Jesus said was true. Jesus was sent to minister to the house of Israel, not to the Gentiles. And that was a fact. There was going to be a time where the Gentiles would be grafted in. But that was not the time that we were looking at today. So this was a fact. What Jesus said was true. He was sent to the people of Israel. However, as ominous as this statement may appear to be, it was actually laced with hope. And you might be wondering how so. I just read that like you did. That pretty much sounded like a complete shutdown in my estimation. Well, let me explain. This is important. Look outside of just what's in front of your eyes. By saying this, Jesus is not agreeing to the disciples' demands to give her the boot. So wait a second. He's like, okay guys, yeah, let's, uh, let's get rid of her. See, this establishes something very important in the life of the Christian praying to the Lord for it removes any preconceived ideas that God is not concerned with your situation. Hey, you're bothering the Lord. Man, I know the Lord's probably not concerned with me because I sinned this week and then, you know, my problem's probably not as big as theirs or, you know, I've done some bad things in my life so that I know probably weighs on the scale of the Lord not answering me or whatever. Listen, if this were true, Jesus would have said, yeah, let's move her along. Let's kind of move on to the next thing. Also, it's important to note that this woman is not only not dismissed, but she's left free. To continue asking. And as we work through this, 
I think a lot of questions come up like, why would the Lord not answer immediately but allow this woman to keep calling out to Him? Take that perspective from where that question is coming and put this now on the personal level. Why would the Lord not answer you immediately but allow you to keep calling out to Him? Why would He do that? I've come to determine in my own life that prayer is the shovel by which we excavate the sand of our abilities and find the power of faith in a living God. You start removing all these things. You start pushing aside your resources, your abilities. Because there's faith in there somewhere. There's faith buried in our life somewhere. It's hidden beneath a lot of things. A lot of things. Buried deep where we don't really need to use it because of the cushion that we have. Why does the Lord allow us to keep calling to Him? Well, I know this woman would not be deterred from making her requests known to Jesus. She wouldn't be distracted or put off from calling out to the Lord. We shouldn't be distracted from our time of prayer or put off because of someone else's opinions or misconceptions on how prayer works. Stop bothering God. Or maybe somebody in the church is like, hey, see ya. Or you feel that they say that to you. But it says in verse 25, then she came and worshiped him, saying, Lord, help me. Help me. She humbled herself before the Lord. This word, worship, literally, what it's described as in the Greek language is she took to her knees. She fell down before Jesus, possibly even prostrating herself in front of Him, crying out, Lord, help me, as she worshipped Him. How many of you right now can relate to that in your own life? Where you're face down before the Lord. You're on your knees. You're at the side of your bed. You're on the carpet. Whatever it might be. And you're crying out to the Lord, Lord, help me. Have mercy upon me. Help my daughter. She was insistent and persistent in asking for help from Jesus. And it does seem that the more desperate we are in our time of prayer, the more qualified we become to appreciate the mercy and help that we require. In James 5, verse 16 from the New Living Translation, it says, the earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. The more the disciples wished that she would go away, the less she went. The less the Savior said to her, the more she cried out. Scratching the surface of faith. Where does my faith kick in? 
Where in my life do I step out of my abilities and into the faith of the Lord? And in verse 26, he says, But he answered and said, It is not good to take the children's bread and to throw it to the little dogs. This were a reality show, which many people would love to have. This would be part of the this would be the part where the audience goes, Oh, rejected, shut down, oh. It's not good to give the bread to the little dogs. Oh, in front of everybody. But that would be our misguided pop culture projected upon the text. What's really being said here? At the beginning of our time together, it was stated that Jesus came looking for rest, but I believe that Jesus knew that He would come in contact with this woman before He even left for Tyre and Sidon. Jesus knew what He was going to do. And literally, He is drawing out the faith from this woman. Her great faith. Drawing it out. This isn't a whim. This isn't, oh, I'm having a bad day. This is something that she seriously believed in her heart that the Lord was the answer to. She kept asking. She kept seeking. She kept knocking. Listen, you ask for the Lord's help, you'll receive it. Seeking, you seek God's will, you'll find it. Knock on the door and it will be opened for you. But wait, didn't just just a second ago Jesus refer to her as a little dog? Listen, this wasn't urban Sidonian slang. This isn't a derogatory statement Either, for it's the phrase used to describe little puppies dwelling in your house. In the culture of the day, they didn't use utensils. They didn't have forks and knives. They didn't have napkins. They'd eat with their hands. And when they were done eating, they would wipe their hands off on pieces of bread. The leftover crumbs of bread. It was like a, you know, a sponge for their hands and it would absorb the juices and gravy or whatever it was that was on their hands. And when they were done, they didn't eat that. They gave it to the little puppies that were at their feet. Jesus said that He had been sent to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Not the Gentiles. We already know that as fact. So on one hand, this was a clear definition and a clear fulfillment of the Messiah's mission of reaching the house of Israel first. On the other hand, it also meant that there was something afterwards for those that came second, the Gentiles. The little puppies that sat at the feet, they also received something. And that's why she says in verse 27, Yes, Lord, yet even the little dogs or puppies eat the crumbs which fall from their master's table. I don't know about you, but I am blown away by this woman's reply to Jesus. But even more so than that, the tremendous work of Jesus drawing out this woman's faith. The Lord spoke to her, And her response first was, yes, Lord. Look at verse 27 again. That's the first thing that she says. She may not have gotten the answer that she was looking for, but the first thing out of her mouth that's recorded for us was, yes, Lord. 
I feel like when we pray and we get a response that's not what we're looking for, the first things out of our mouths are, no, Lord, no. She was, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. She acknowledged what Jesus' ministry was all about. First to the Jews, but yet she also understood that Jesus would have an extended ministry and she wanted part of that. See, the Lord working in our life, our lives, my life, your life, our lives, is according to His will and His plan for us. First, we at times love to fight against God's plan or at least complain about it. But acknowledging and submitting to God's first priority, which is, by the way, to do that which according to His will is best for us, is the best place for us to be. Yes, Lord. She didn't debate with Him. She didn't complain about it, but rather stated that she would take even the crumbs of what was left after Jesus' ministry to the Jews. Just, Lord, help me. Whatever it is that You can bring to me, Lord, in my time of need, I'll take it. Lord, even furthermore, for the Christian, Lord, whatever it is that you know is best for me, whether it is something massive or just something little, Lord, I will receive it. Lord, because you're working in me something that is far greater than I understand. And Lord, I know that inside me, there's got to be just a little bit of faith that you're scratching the surface of. And Lord, that needs to be a bigger part of my life and who I am and how I live and how I interact and how I serve. This is what's happening here. And this is the same thing that's happening to me and that is happening to you. There may be roadblocks. There may be obstacles. There may be certain resources that just don't even begin to help where help is needed. And as a Christian, somebody that has put their faith in Jesus and you have been deposited a measure of faith, the Lord allows circumstances and even our time of communicating with the Lord and crying out to Him and things that we cannot rely upon our own understanding of to draw out the faith that is inside of each of us that have faith in Jesus. And I know that you understand what I'm saying. And I know that you can comprehend how that faith is so, so deeply cushioned with things that we have in our society. Well, if this happens, then I'll just call this person. Or if that happens, I have that fallback. Or when this takes place, then I know a guy. But what happens when all those things are removed and all of a sudden now, faith is kicking in? She said, yes, Lord, even the little dogs eat the crumbs which fall from the master's table. In verse 28 it says, then Jesus answered and said to her, oh woman, great is your faith. Let it be to you as you desire. And it says that her daughter was healed from that very hour. What an amazing and awaited reply from Jesus. I mean, could you imagine if she just, if the story would have said, oh, she was deterred by the disciples and so she just left? What if your story was recorded as that? Oh, you know, it was, uh, 
15 minutes of prayer on one morning and you know it just didn't happen so we got up and left are we fervently seeking the lord or are we tossing in the towel because we don't see it immediately i punched in 2 minutes on the microwave and it better be 2 minutes That's not how the Lord works because sometimes He'll say yes, sometimes He'll say no, sometimes He'll just say, continue to seek Me. Continue to draw near to Me because I am getting to the place where your faith becomes active faith. I've removed the cushion. I have popped the balloon. And now, now, Faith is coming to the forefront of your life. Great is your faith, Jesus said to the woman. For you Bible scholars, file this away. Do you realize that this is the only time in recorded Scripture that Jesus says, great is your faith to someone? In all the Bible. This is the only person that is recorded having Jesus said to them, great is your faith. What can we take from this passage of Scripture this morning and apply to our lives? Keep asking. Keep seeking. Keep knocking. My friend, Pastor David Guzik, I love a lot of the things he has to write, but he kind of jotted some bullet points down on this passage, and and he says, and I quote, Her faith was great because she worshipped Jesus even before she had an answer from Him. Her faith was great because it had been tested so severely. Her faith was tried by the seeming indifference or coldness of Jesus. Her faith was great because it concerned a need right in front of her and a real need at that. End of quote. It can seem like God doesn't care, but then you fall back on what you know. The hairs of your head are numbered. There's not a sparrow that falls to the ground without your Heavenly Father knowing. Your Heavenly Father knows the things that you need before you even ask for them. So the thing that is taking place in our lives as we journey through this life, when we experience difficulties and trials, and then our resources get depleted, the work that is taking place in us is great. The Lord promised to complete the work which He began in you. And He will use situations in our lives to draw out our faith. Matthew 7, 7 7-8, it says, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. He who seeks finds. And to him who knocks it will be opened. Ask for the Lord's help and He'll help you. Seek the Lord's perfect will for your life and you will find it. Knock on the door of opportunity in every circumstance and the Lord will open your understanding and lead you through whatever it is that you're going through. The woman in our story's faith was great because she would not give up. Her faith didn't give up. And may your faith, my faith, may our faith in God not give up 
either. Let the Lord have His perfect work accomplished in your life and through your circumstances. There, at that place, you will find that you too begin to scratch the surface of the great faith that God is drawing out of your life. When you know everything, that's not faith. When you see how everything's going to play out, that's not faith. When you don't understand, when you don't see it, when you don't feel it, when you don't get it, when you don't hear it, when you have no perception of change, that is when faith is beginning to step in, to kick in. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things that you can't see. And so whatever it is that the Lord is allowing you to go through in your life, there's things being excavated. Our abilities are like the sands that shovels remove, dust out. Hey, we're going to get this section out. We're going to remove this because I want to see what's buried beneath all of this. What's buried beneath this is the treasure. It's faith. And this is what we need. More than ever before in the history of mankind, we need right now to have our faith exposed, real, applicable, enabled. We need that. So let the Lord have His work in your life. Because He's drying out faith in all of us. And there we will find God's blessings and the strength to do what we need to do. Let's pray. Father, we thank You, Lord, for Your Word. And I ask, God, that You would please continue to have Your perfect way in Your church, in Your people's lives. Father, every single one of us has something that is going on in our life right now that You are seeking to draw out faith from. I thank You, Lord, that of all the passages of Scripture that we could have looked at today, that this was the one that You have given for us today. And Lord, I ask that now Your Holy Spirit would begin now to work as though, Lord, I know You probably already have begun working in the hearts of Your sons and daughters here today. May You continue that work. I pray, Lord, that You would have patience, have its perfect work in us as we wait on You as maybe we've prayed for things for years. As we've waited on You for a long time. I thank You that You have sustained us. I thank You, Lord, that You'll never leave us. You'll never forsake us. And I pray, Lord, that You would help us to continue to push on, press forward, and do what You've called us to do. And so, Lord, thank You for Your Word. Thank You, Lord, for what we've had a chance to look at today. And I pray that we would take something away from this section that we needed to hear and that we need to change in our own lives and give us the grace to do so. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.